Hello and welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm one of your hosts, Orman Heller. And welcome to the show. It is the Monday edition of the show. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, October 17th. I'm looking at the date and still had to take that long to figure out how to translate those numbers and dashes. Uh, <laughs> it's about one o'clock here. On the East Coast, so the NFL games for the week have not yet started, but my Jets are on a bye week, so they can't hurt me today. Have um, started. Have started? Oh, I guess. London. Yeah, the London game. Do you get the London game? Uh, I'm streaming it. Because I was going to say, the only option I really have is to stream it because, you know, in... <laughs> interesting ways because like last week when the jets were on the london game i got it because it was locally broadcast so like my nbc app just had it because i don't have cable um i only have the apps and they said that the jets game was streaming on nfl network but when you go try to play on nfl network it's blacked out in my area um and i don't actually have nfl network it was just like i was just trying to watch the jets and i tried watching whatever the t- Jacksonville, right? That's today. Mm-hmm. And it, it told me, Miami. you don't have NFL Network, you fucking peasant. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just not watching this game this morning then. So I don't know what I was supposed to do about that. Jacksonville just won on a uh, 55-yard field goal. They won? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jacksonville won? Mm-hmm. Wow. Truly is the end times. First win for Trevor Lawrence, man. And Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's undefeated after fingering girls' buttholes. The ass blast is the key these to are, success. These are clearly. NFL statistics that are correct. One of the things I like about um the NFL app is that underneath all the scores, when you look at the scores, it gives you little fun facts about like the game or the last time X had been done since whatever. You know, like uh, this is uh, Lamar Jackson's first game with 900 passing yards. And it's the first time that's been done since uh, <laughs> Tungsten Armo Doyle or whatever. Um, I can't wait for the fun fact under this one to be. This is Urban Meyer's first win since being on the chick's asshole. Oh, my God. Please just have that be just like a statistic that is currently tracked anywhere. Or like NFL head coach win percent following sex scandal, 750. <laughs> God, he is the worst. Yes. So when you're celebrating hey, after the win, all of you, you NFL fans. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, gross. He like goes in for the handshake and you're just like, all right, let's bump elbows. <laughs> Give me that pandemic handshake there, bud. Oh, Jesus Christ. All of you NFL fans, I hated Urban Meyer before he came to this league. Yeah, the OG hatred, college football hatred, (laughs) where it means something. Mm. Oh, anyway, uh, so we are currently in the midst of our championship series is for the ML for MLB. Jeez, Um, that's the toughest part about talking about the NFL and MLB in the same segments because i translate the the into mlb when it shouldn't be there but so mlb is currently in its championship series is we didn't get a chance to talk about the conclusion of the dodgers Giants series since it was still going at the time we recorded our last show so since then they had their game five and it had a controversial ending as in the bottom of the ninth uh with the giants being the home team in a two to one ball game the Giants were down to their last strike. They had, uh, I think, Wilmer Flores up to bat. Um, they had a runner on. And, you know, in a, in a two-to-one game where obviously the game is very close, anything could happen with a swing of a bat and drastically alter, I mean, the team's ability to win the World Series. If the Giants batter at the time that struck out, series over, Dodgers win. If on the next pitch, Wilmer Flores rocks one into dead center, Giants are going to the World Series. Like it really comes down to that binary uh, and that immediate in the uh, consequences tree uh, of, of, a, of a difference in outcome. And 
Wilmer Flores or Max Scherzer, I should say, who's closing the game for the Dodgers out of the bullpen, comes in, dishes one out to Flores, low and away. Flores checks his swing. Will Smith appeals down to the first base umpire who calls him out, uh, saying that he swung on the pitch and in replay, boy, oh boy, does it just not look like that. Um, And I guess first and foremost, what I will talk about the swing before anything else. That's not a swing, right? No, it is not. It's just not like not even not even close. No. Like, it's one of those calls where I don't think I've seen a single person even attempt to argue that it was, in fact, a swing. I just don't know how you kind of look at that and view that as being... Uh, I don't know. That That's what it comes down to. I have no idea how you make that call. And, you know, we can sit here and squabble over any number of check swings from any random baseball game. And you can probably get a couple different varieties of answers depending on because the check swing is a very subjective thing. Like Mm -hmm. calling regular balls and strikes obviously uh, offers a little bit of subjectivity based on what an umpire thinks the zone is versus should be or pitch uh, or catcher framing. Um, what got called in the previous pitch, if there's a makeup pitch, like there's, there's, there's a little bit of wiggle room, but for the most part, it's pretty set, at least from what it should be. The check swing, I think if you ask five major leaguers what a check swing is and how they can identify it, you might very well get five different answers. You're probably getting at least three. Absolutely. And yet, it seems as though there's a consensus that this was not that. No, it really just was not close. Uh, hey, all it did was end the season. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. They can make it up next week. Um, as a, how, how do you define? What is, what is the check swing for you? Um, Blair, when, does, me, when, when does it cross the plane of being of check swing to swing swing? What is it when the hands and the bat come around the body? When the bat comes in front, passes over the body in front of the body? Yeah. So I, so that's what I'm saying. Like I've heard, all right, I'm going to lay out all the different versions of this that I've heard and I'll, I'll, I'll try to pick one I think I'll officially subscribe to. Is there's the idea that when the wrists turn over, okay, so that that's one that I've heard when, because you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're here, here, and then, once the wrists start to move, you can call that the, the official swing. Uh, I've heard sure. when the head of the bat crosses home plate, when the barrel of the bat crosses home plate. Um, I actually no, I think those are it. I think those are the, the main three that I've heard. But like one of the core concepts being crossing home plate because I think it'd be pretty tough for you to turn your wrist over without that bat crossing over home. So I, I think there's some level of forward progress that has to happen. And I think that just the line is where we decide too forward to have held back is, mm-hmm. is where like the fight is. But the problem with the Wilmer Flores one is the bat never moved more than like 18 inches from his shoulder, you know? Right. It's. I just, when you look at it, there's nothing. Kind of. There's nothing there that looks like he comes around. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. You know, with that level of subjectivity, it it brings into what I I think is one of the, the more interesting points or weirder discussable points which is the directive from either MLB or the MLB UA Um, I don't know who really dictates how to umpire what they want Mm -hmm. I know the NFL sends down to the refs like now we're calling more tauntings now we're calling less tauntings whatever I assume it works the same in MLB I don't really know but 
I would have to imagine that after this, there should be, if I was emperor of MLB, a, a dictum that is passed down that says, that says, if the call is subjective and one way ends the fucking game <laughs> and one way doesn't, lean towards the one that doesn't. Like, if you have to make a mistake, have the mistake be on the side of fewer consequence. Because it's it's the same, maybe not like the same, same, but it just reminded me a little bit of the Armando Galarraga non-perfect game mm-hmm. where the ump called um, whatever his name was safe at first for the 27th out of the perfect game. In what was a bang, bang play, and they and the ump later said that he was wrong and he was out the whole time. And Miguel Cabrera was sitting there like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like that mistake. And I think we all said it at the time. And we've all said it since when we've talked about perfect games. Like if you have to fuck up, like wouldn't you rather fuck up and have the result be a perfect game than fuck up and have the result be one out away from a perfect game where everyone's going to say you were might have been wrong the whole time and you doubt that for the rest of your entire fucking life right where the option is okay he threw 26 perfect outs and kind of was given a gimme on the last one versus the man threw 27 perfect outs and was stolen from being a part of history those are different levels of asterisks. Oh, yeah. And the consequence on the, the downside for the Wilmer Flores at bat is so much less. Because if, if we go back to the Armando Galarraga one, it's like on one hand, perfect game. On the other hand, barely not a perfect game. Those are two really big sides to this. Yeah, absolutely. If we look at the Wilmer Flores at bat, one side is a strikeout that ends the Giants season. And on the other hand is ball one. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's bases loaded, mm-hmm. full count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ball, mm-hmm. A ball brings in the tying run. It's literally strike three to end the giant season or ball one of the at bat. Those were the two sides. And this man said, Fuck your season, you're out. It's ball one. It's just like you can't even get it to be more outrageous if you tried. Like it's just straight up all around, just go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself, please. Just do it. I know, man, it really is. It's fucking wild. I mean, how? And that's what I'm saying is like. It would the only way it could be worse is if he was flipping him off while giving him the jerk <laughs> off like hand motion while he was calling him out. You're, you're yeah, yeah. Basically, if he just went instead of the usual, you know, he was just like or. Just, just up your ass, buddy. <laughs> He's a Los Angeles local. Just get fucked, dude. That's that's all you need to know. The only thing you need to take away from this conversation is you need to go fuck yourself. And it, it 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 just doesn't even feel like like I don't understand how you get here with this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't under, understand how. So the the old concept that I think we all heard growing up that isn't necessarily real, but I think we all heard it growing up is in baseball uh, on outs made on the base paths, tie goes with the runner. Mm -hmm. I think we've all heard that growing up, whether it's true or you really like played like that, whatever. I think we've all heard it. And as best as I can surmise, the reason that would be the case is if you have to make us make a mistake or you're not absolutely certain what happened. And that lack of absolute certainty is, is, is the essence of why we call that a tie go with the less costly version because mm-hmm. in baseball, getting on base is very fucking hard. It is a game where that does not happen 
most of the time, most of the time you do not get on base. So if you have to make a mistake, putting someone on base probably will be the less costly thing to do than calling them out because the next person's on base percent, if they're good, might be like 350. And guess what? Out of 100, that's not a lot. It's really good for baseball. It's less than 50% of the time. So if we had to guess about which one's going to be more costly, calling somebody out when getting on base is very hard is more costly than letting them be on base where getting outs is easier than getting on. So you would think that that basic level of risk-based decision-making or probability-based guesswork would carry up towards the major leagues. And it just, I, I, this is why people call the ump show, which I think might be a little bit too derisive. I do think umps are like trying their best, but it's like, man, if you're not 1000% sure, go with the less costly option. Why would you end right. someone's season like that? Because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> because fuck you that's why that what else how else are you going to look at it you know just astonishing did you did you stay up for that or were you asleep uh no i I was not up for that so i i i decided to uh stay up for that game um because i was already i was like already exhausted and i was like fuck it no amount of sleep is fixing this tonight so I decided to stay up and I remember just pacing around my apartment after that. And I was just like, Oh my God, no, no, no. Wow. Oh no, 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 no. I don't care about either of these two teams, but no, 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 no. It was so God awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause the thing is, even if it's the right call, mm-hmm. even if it was absolutely the right call, that's a tough way to end your season. Oh, undoubtedly. It's just an absolute nightmare all around. Like, how do you how do you go home? How do you ride the bus back to the plane? Like, how do you take that flight back home and come to terms with how you ended your season? You know, like what what is the silver lining? I guess the silver lining is we won the National League, you know, or we led the National League all season. We finished with you know, the baseball equivalent of the president's trophy. We played our hearts out. We should have gone on. Now we just need to come back and prove it next year. Sure. In reality, that's something you say to kind of make yourself feel better at night. And you're still lost. You're still taking a long ride home when you don't really uh, deserve to be the ones doing that. And uh, that's going to be fucking tough. That's really got to be tough mentally. Just, just to kind of come back from to rebound. So I almost, this is another thing I was wondering after the game is, do you think it's easier for a team or a fan to have lost in a way where everyone mutually agrees you got fucked than to lose a game where you truly earned the loss? Like, would you rather have lost the game 20 to nothing where you just did not show up in any phase and you got your shit pushed in from every angle um, where you can like really take the loss. Like, Ooh, guys, we all fucked up today. Or would you rather your team gets railroaded by umpires where even Dodgers fans are like, oof, sorry, no one wanted this to happen like this. It's not your fault. And you can go, all right, all right. We, we would have won, but we got fucked. You know, there's like that room, that wiggle room in there. As a fan, I think I'd rather have a loss where you you lost the game. You just, you weren't good enough. You did not execute. You lost the game. Because at least you can kind of look, look at that and argue, hey, the better team won. You know, we're not going to be, if we're not the best team in the league, we're not going to be the best team in the league consistently yeah we can play better than that but you know we didn't deserve to win this game you can kind of come to terms with that and when you lost because of some bullshit 
that's tough. That's just like mentally defeating. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard because you look back and it's like, wow, we could have had such an incredible season if it wasn't for this one call, if it wasn't for that one penalty, if the refs didn't fuck us. And it's like, it, it eats away at you more than saying, hey, we had a great season, but the best team still won. Yeah, I, I, and I think I'd also like the certainty that we couldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's, and I, I, I do think that there is something to hold on to a little bit where you can at least act a certain way. If you get fucked out of the win, you can be like, all right, we could have done it. Like, we totally had that shit. Wilmer Flores was absolutely going to hit a home run his in the, on the next pitch. Like, I know it for a fact. And maybe the lies make it easier to swallow. But I think me as a person also is like, I'd rather know. Like, I'd rather know for a fact that Wilmer Flores wasn't going to hit a home run. Like, he was he was going to get – it was an 0-2 count. The chances of him striking out at some point in the next, like, four pitches is very high especially against Max Scherzer. So I, I think I would rather have a, the certainty of the loss and know that you lost fair and square. Um, especially because in games like this, and this is another thing that got talked about a little bit, is like you had nine other or eight other innings to score a run. It didn't have to be the ninth inning where you managed to get to run number two. You had eight other innings. Still not a great game. No, <laughs> no, it's it was tough, uh, but it was a it was a hell of a series overall. The uh, mm-hmm. obviously any series that goes to game five is a hell of a series, and but you got to look at it and say to yourself that the Dodgers' offense showed up when it showed up, and the Giants' offense kind of just showed up sometimes. For instance, game one was Giants four, Dodgers nothing. All right. Game two, Giants two, Dodgers nine. Game three, Giants one, Dodgers nothing. Game four, Dodgers seven, Giants two. And then game five, Dodgers two, Giants one. So, I mean, if I just lazily total all all these up, let's see, that's 16, 18 runs for the Dodgers and six, seven, eight, nine runs for the the Giants. So, I mean, the Dodgers outscored them two to one, more than two to one. Um, it's it really it's honestly almost more of a shock that this game went to. This series went to five games because of how prolific the Dodgers were at scoring when they did score as compared to the Giants, whose offense was a little bit more middling and it shows up in the stats. Uh Corbin, do you have any guesses as to like where Mike Dostremski and who played all five games would say, mm-hmm. to some degree, all five games, what his OPS was at the conclusion of the series? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't watch enough of the series to even give that an honest answer. Zero. Zero? Zero. He finished the series with uh, no hits, no RBIs. No walks, four strikeouts. Played in all five games. He had the same number of hits as Alex Wood. He finished with the almost the exact same batting line as Logan Webb. I mean, that's that's just not good. Obviously, I we're just don't at- have words then. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're looking at small sample sizes here, but the the Giants had I don't know, let's call it seven hundred as our as our as our they did well baseline. Um, five guys with over seven hundred OPS: Brandon Crawford, who literally had a seven hundred OPS; uh, Tommy Lastella with a seven eighty eight; Buster Posey with an eight fifty; Austin Slater with a one thousand; and Chris Bryant with an eleven forty seven OPS, and. If we go over to the Giants side of it, they also had just five guys, uh, Gavin Lux with a 788. And then the other four guys over on above Gavin Lux all finished with over 1,000 as to only the two guys on the Giants that did Mookie Betts with a 1055, Steven Souza Jr. with a 1167, Will Smith with a 1206, and then Albert Pujols in his two games and three at bats with a 1333. 
And part of the other difference here is that the Giants, the, the Dodgers also didn't have a huge drop off after their, their top five. They had another four guys in the six to 700 range, whereas the Giants, after that 700 mark for Brandon Crawford, fell off a cliff. I mean, the Dodgers had, uh, what did I say, four, four guys with above a 600 OPS plus OPS. And the Dodgers, God damn it, sorry, the Giants had five guys that finished with over a zero. That's it. Number six in terms of performance after Brandon Crawford's 700 OPS was Darren Ruff with a 455. Sixth highest on the team in that series. Sixth highest for the for the Dodgers was AJ Pollock with a 697. 200 points higher. And uh, obviously this is going to be a, a really solid pitching matchup. The Dodgers have a very deep pitching staff. And we talked about how, you know, kind of kooky it can be looking at great pitching teams against great hitting teams and scratching your head one way or the other about what's happening, you know, because if a great pitching team pitches great, that means that the great hitting team probably isn't hitting great and vice versa. Uh, but there really was like no middle ground with the Giants pitching or Giants hitting. And you almost have to look at it and say, that's probably by design. You're going to probably pitch around Chris Bryant to get to whatever schmucks behind him or even two batters farther, farther back on him. It's the same way. Every, every team pitches to Mike Trout, right? You're going to pitch around Mike Trout because you know what Mike Trout does everything better than whoever the fuck usually hits behind Mike Trout. Mike Trout could be in an 0 for 30 rut and I am still not throwing him the ball down the middle. Over 30 with like a 500 on base because he still takes his walks. Exactly. Stupid. Uh, but, you know, you still have to look at both teams and say they both would have made really great championship series um, participants, I guess. Um, they both performed very well, even though the Giants hitting was not spectacular. It was timely, which is always exciting. Um, it does that mean anything in terms of their ability to just kind of do that? Not really, mm-hmm. but it was still fun. They show that they could do it. So why not say that they could do it for uh, seven to 11 more games or whatever? Um, right. And the Dodgers obviously made it. So they're, you know, they're set. Of course. Um, the best Dodger hitter by win probability added in the series was Cody Bellinger with 0.3, probably based entirely off of that RBI single he had in the top of the ninth in game five. Uh, after that, it was Mookie Betts with an 0.25. Um, the best hitter on the Giants by win probability added was Chris Bryant with a 0.15. Oh, yeah, right. Shocker. Um, he again finished with an 11.47 OPS, which is just stupid high. Best win probability added pitcher for the Dodgers was Max Scherzer, which again really isn't much of a surprise, especially since he collected the save in uh, game five. And even though he did not take the win in his first game, he did pitch very, very well, just happened to let up the one run that was the death nail for the Giants, for the Dodgers. Uh, The best pitcher by win probability added in the series for the Giants also really shouldn't be a surprise is Logan Webb, who had two phenomenal outings, managed to pitch 14.2 innings in a five game series, which is just stupid. Um, But ultimately took a no decision in his second game as the Giants lost his game five outing in the late innings. So there you have it. And that brings us into the. NLCS and ALCS, which is ongoing, but I guess since we're already talking about National League shit, we'll just keep it moving. Um, the Dodgers are facing off against the Braves. Game one is already done as we're t- t- talking about it. Uh, but what's your impression of this series as it's kind of as it's getting started? Uh, sorry, I, I didn't hear your sentence because I just uh, saw a headline that LSU's uh, coach Ed Orgeron, uh, the second highest paid coach in college football, at $9 million per year. Uh, and the guy who came in and brought LSU that national championship with Joe Burrow uh, will not be brought back next year. Whoa, why? Uh, because LSU has been really bad since Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and, you know, 
all of those guys there who were drafted incredibly high because they were excellent players, you know, Joe Brady left for the NFL. Um, turns out it was those guys making that team uh, historically amazing and not Ed Orgeron because the team's been really bad ever since. I think they are like two games under 500 this year. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a massive buyout. And uh, LSU is going to be hunting for a new coach. Damn. So uh, could you ask your question again? <laughs> yes. Um, what is your impression, even though game one of the series has already happened, of this uh, Dodgers-Braves matchup, which will be hosted by the Braves, since even though they mm-hmm. won 18 fewer games in the regular season, they did win their division. So uh, there is that, too. I just I don't know how it's going to be competitive in the same way the Giants series was. Um, again, we talked about it last week. We talked about it the week before. Anything can happen but it's incredibly unlikely that it does. Um, I mean, the Dodgers are just too complete, too deep, too dominant with their pitchers. I mean, they have five guys that can go out there and throw absolute gems any given day. They have a great bullpen. They have a lot of great depth at, you know, in their batting order. I just do not know how that's, uh, how that's going to be. And over comable obstacle for the Braves. Were those all correct words? Uh, yeah, I think I nailed all of them. Sure. Yeah, nailed I... Subjective word, but sure. <laughs> I I would agree, and I think if you had asked me right before this series started, I would tell you not to be mean to the Braves or to downplay what they've done this season, but if I was to predict a sweep in a seven game series, this would be the series I would predict a sweep in. Um, and again, it's not to be mean to the Braves. The Dodgers are a machine of an organization. They have played excruciatingly well this, this year um, and are better at everything that the Braves do than the Braves are. And so it wouldn't really be a stretch for me to say if there was going to be a lopsided matchup, which showed over the course of a full 162 game season, as you know, the Dodgers finished with 18 more wins than the Braves did in a significantly harder division than the Braves division. Um, This would be if you were to predict a sweep, this would have to be the series. You would do it. And then, of course, the Braves say, fuck you and win the first game on some bullshit which is just darling. Um, If we look at their regular season performance, the Dodgers finished seventh in WRC plus with a team 106. The Braves finished 13th with a 98. So placement wise, not horribly far off, but eight points of team WRC plus is almost certain to show up at some point during the course of this series. And by ERA, uh, the Dodgers finished with the best ERA team ERA in all of baseball this year with a 3.03 to the Braves eighth place finish with a 3.89. So both teams, again, do both things fine to, to, to great. The Dodgers are just better at both things. I know that's very reductive, but uh, here we are talking high level. So getting used to it. Um, But man, it is hard to see. And that's part of what's made the Braves run so far. So much fun is that they've, overcome seemingly everything that they would have needed to to get to where they are. Ronald Acuna Jr. is down with a season-ending injury. Oh, well, I guess Jock Peterson will just become the best hitting outfielder of all time (laughs) or whatever. Um, Max Fried becoming seemingly Sandy Koufax overnight and just deciding I'm going to throw like nine Maddoxes this season and you will all accept this. And we're just like, yes, daddy. Go for it. Um, yes, daddy. <laughs> his curveball is stupid. I love it so much. God, his curveball is just disgusting. I love it. Um, <laughs> and so, the you know, like the fact that they got past the Brewers and their ridiculously good uh, front end and back end pitching is already so, so admirable. And they did it without scoring a ton of runs because the Braves pitching staff showed up in kind. And could they do it again? 
fuck. It is a much harder road since the Brewers don't hit well and the Dodgers really, really do. Um, actually, hold on. The Dodgers scored two runs in their first, in their game one loss. How many runs do you think was the most runs that the um, the Brewers scored in a single game? Whole season? Against the, the Braves in their four-game set. I don't know, six, <laughs> four. Oh, geez. Yeah, the Brewers scored two runs in their first game, got shut out the next two games, and then scored four runs in their last game. So the Dodgers' two runs against the Braves is already tied for the second most runs that that pitching staff has allowed all postseason, which is a ludicrous sentence. Uh, but here we fucking are, man. Like the Giants allowed a nine game, nine run game against the Dodgers. And so far, the Braves have allowed at most four grand against way worse pitching or batting, but still. So I, I, I still would pick the Dodgers. And I think if you told me the Dodgers won the next four straight to win in five, I would not be surprised. Like if you told me that the, the Braves are going to win this series, I am going to have to assume it's going to go seven games and they barely win by the skin of their teeth um, to make the world series. But this is baseball. You know, it'd be very poetic. I think it would be a real blast is if the Braves won a game seven, granted it's against the Dodgers, not the Cardinals, but somehow managed to win game seven on a really shitty infield fly rule call. <laughs> Like it's bases loaded, uh, one out, Braves up by one, pop up. I don't know. I guess that you couldn't win on that call, but it would be pretty devastating to have that infield fly kind of fuck you out of a run. I'm trying to think of how it would be worse, but infield fly is just so subjective and can how be would just be so worse? wrong. I don't know. I'm uh, really trying. Maybe, maybe if the like Braves lost on the back of a Maddox, <laughs> they <Yeah>. get Maddoxed. <laughs> or like a, a dropped strike three that I'm trying to think of like how that could just compound into just truly heartbreaking final play. Like a dropped strike three. Going um, to throw him out and like wild pitch, wild throw, I should say, and bringing in like three runs to win it. Ozzy Albies mid game realizes he's massively underpaid and decides to botch the game. <laughs> Bases are loaded, soft ground ball to Albies. <laughs> Wait, he's arguing about his shitty contract. He throws the ball into the stands. You, you know All what? Three no runs will score. Bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, and who's the, I guess, is Will Smith still the closer for the Braves? Oh, I, or they, I guess, yeah. Or they put Max Fried in there to close out the final game against the Dodgers, and he Although, balks a run, a run in. Actually, this would, if it was game seven, I, I, we're going to have to keep remembering this. It would be home for Atlanta. They would be in Atlanta. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, God, like the entire stadium on their feet. Like, they're going to go to the next round. Like, they're going to make it. Like, this is destiny. And they just balk in a run. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what would have some other devastatingly Atlanta things be. I don't know. I really think. Anything, man. It's yeah. baseball. Who knows? Mm. But, um,. Jack Peterson's been fun. The Atlanta team, I got to say, has been a lot of fun. But I, you, you, you don't win games on fun differential. Sorry, Mariners. <laughs> the ALCS is also underway. Uh, as of right now, there are two games in. So far, the series is split. One game apiece as the uh, Astros took game one by the skin of the teeth uh, in a 5-4 win, and then the Red Sox came back and just pounded the Astros asshole as they knocked in uh, oh, yeah. two grand slams in the first two innings of the game. 
oof, ouch, my bones. <laughs> they uh, actually also got a third home run, and I think the third or fourth inning when Enrique Hernandez hit a solo shot. They ended up not scoring for the rest of the game. <laughs> Watch out. Um, but the Astros only managed to collect another five runs in that game uh, and took the loss. Man, um, I see a lot of people, especially Yankees fans, going like, ah, fuck, we got to watch the Red Sox in the World Series. It's one game. It's one game. Who cares? The, the Astros could have lost 25 to 2. It's, it's a yeah. single game. You don't get the World Series by run differential. Um, so one different run differential in game two after winning game one. Right. With also the Red Sox best two starters going one and two, like, all right, now that you're past Nathan Eovaldi, who gives a fuck about the rest of the Red Sox pitching staff? Yeah, you know, the Red Sox, known for their pitching depth this year. Yeah, right? I mean, like, you just got past their two best start. You put up nine, sorry, five runs in the Eovaldi start. Like, you're, you're probably fine. Did you yeah. put up all five against Eovaldi? No, but you put up five by eventually getting into the bullpen. Like, Shut the fuck up. Oh no, Tanner Houck. He's gonna win the Cy Young this year. Better be uh better be putting the fear in the uh players. Jesus. I uh, I know. I mean, like the Red Sox don't play the Astros all that much during the season, or vice versa, because you know, non-divisional rivals. So, like, yeah, maybe the Astros just need to get used to seeing killer Garrett Whitlock <laughs> once or twice before they figure it out. I, I I will say nothing. I saw I saw a stat today that should give some hope to Houston fans and also really hurt uh, any Cardinals and Dodgers fans. Um, Jose Altuve has more career postseason home runs than Albert Pujols. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, he also uh, tied Jeter with his twentieth uh, this last game. And okay. I think that's the most by a middle infielder. So now Jose Altuve is tied, which really goes to show you how much that dude hits home runs and how often he is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude's five foot three and just mashes the ball. What can you I say? know. I mean, how does like a five foot two dude just go out there and hit 400 foot home runs? Like, how does that five one guy just go out there and keep it? How is that five foot kid? How is that four foot three player able to hit the ball so far? I mean, the bat's like six inches taller than it. How I think every time we bring him up, we should just subtract an inch from his height. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I was Murray saw, out there just, you know, hitting home runs. I also saw during the broadcast of game two, um, a pretty, it felt pretty wild uh, that um, Mickey Mantle has, I think, 18 playoff home runs. Wow. He played. When there was only the World Series. Like Jose Altuve really? has 20 career postseason home runs and he's playing in the wild card era. Yeah. So he would have a lot of series to collect all those home runs. When did they add the conference and division series for the playoffs? All right, hold on. When did the ALCS and NLCS start? I actually, let's see. 1969. 1969 was the first year of the CS. And let me just double check myself, but I'm pretty sure Mickey Mantle was retired by then. I thought he retired in like 65. Mickey Mantle retired in 68, so one year beforehand. Wow. Which means he collected all... Actually, I'm on his baseball reference page now. Let me just... uh, Postseason batting. Yeah, 18 home runs. Damn, dude, he had three separate three home run games in the World Series. There's a reason Mickey Mantle is considered one of the best. Oh, sorry. Hold on. That's by year, not by series. My bad. So three separate three home run World Series. Yeah. So take that. uh, Wow. And they lost two of them. That's so funny. So they beat Brooklyn on a. Uh, three home run series for Mickey Mantle. Then they lost to Pittsburgh in the 1960s walk off from, uh, oh God, Bill Mazarowski. Um, you can't even be mad. 
And then they also lost the 64 World Series against the Cardinals with a three home run game from three home run series from Mickey Mantle. Damn. That's that's just fucking nuts. Cause I mean, like, all right, all right, hold on. Now let's 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 go deeper. Um Jose Altuve. What do you think the most home runs he has in one series is? Corwin? I said four. Oh, sorry. Um, three. Also three. He has done it three times in the ALDS in 2017. In the ALDS in 2019, and in the ALCS in 2020, three series which didn't exist <laughs> in Mickey Mantle's time. That's fucking awesome, though. Dude's just a postseason hitter. Yeah. Hey, man. Some guys are just clutch. They just have that clutch gene in them. In 69 games in the postseason, Jose Altuve's OPS is 9.45. Is that good? It's a hundred and uh, twenty points higher than his regular season OPS. So yes, that's okay. very fucking good. Okay, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the Red Sox and Astros fare once they actually get into Fenway, the which is a band box, um, and it'll be very interesting to see how. Um, Astros hitters make use of both the pesky pole and the uh, green monster, two of the stupidest things in sports. That's right, Red Sox. Fuck your shitty stadium. <laughs> Eat my balls. Uh, you think they'll ever tear down and build a new stadium in Boston? See, the problem is at some point they're going to have to. And I don't say that as like a fuck your stadium, like I just said, or as a, like an angry Yankees fan. Like at some point, the infrastructure is just going to fail. At some point, it's going to become too risky to have it remain open due to the crumbling nature of materials. And at, I mean, eventually, Red Sox fans are going to have to accept that. It, it's one of those things that I'm sure it doesn't feel like it's going to happen in your lifetime, but it's probably going to happen in your life. Like global warming. Like this is essentially what boomers did to us forever. They were like, yeah, maybe the earth is warming, but we don't have to worry about that shit. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Same thing with Fenway. <laughs> At some point, a girder is just going to collapse and kill like, I don't know, a thousand people in that stadium because the seats are so small. They're all crammed into one section and people are going to be like, I can't believe this is happening. Who would have thunk that a 130 year old stadium would eventually fail? Like uh, everybody, everybody thought that. That is a very painfully apt analogy. Everything hurts. I'm going to die. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it so hot in October? (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was like 78 yesterday dude it was 80 where yeah. i was we were it's walking bad. uphill to collect apples i felt like a fool or wore pants golfing and had to change between going to the range and going to tee off i had to change because i was already sweating i was wearing a flannel <laughs> yeah it was bad it was bad oh, life is life is pain Yes, yes. And then eventually you just kind of die. That's great. The big sleep. <laughs> Sounds Christ. lovely. Oh, this isn't this why you listen to baseball podcasts from the inevitable realization of death. Um, I think that really pretty much covers what's going on in postseason ball right now. Um, unless you can think of any other baseball topics for the moment. What is baseball life? Oh, uh, Yankees have not yet brought back Aaron Boone, but they have also announced that they are not issuing new contracts to uh, Marcus Timms and Phil Nevin, most notably Um, other guy on the uh, cutting board. Chopping block, chopping block, whatever uh, was also the, uh, one of the approach hitting approach coaches underneath Marcus Timms. So there is Nevin a shakeup going on. What would you say? Nevin was one of the hitting coaches. Yes. Yeah. Um, Phil Nevin is gone as well as Marcus Timms. And who's the other guy? Hold on. Oh, PJ Pelletier. There we go. 
Um, he's also gone, who was uh, the assistant hitting coach. Um, so, which is to be expected. Phil Nevin, who I think a lot of Yankees fans should probably feel good about him as a guy. He seems like a really good dude. He was, uh, I think, a pretty good locker room presence from what I've heard. But, oh, my God, he cost the Yankees several wins this year with just really bad sends. And if you're going to have a shakeup, the third base coach who seemingly doesn't do anything but third base, which is weird. Third, third and first base coaches are like the history teachers of MLB coaching staffs. Cause it's like history teachers never just teach history. It's like all your history teachers are also like the track and field coach or like the women's volleyball coach. Like no one a history teacher was like the ski and snowboard club supervisor. <laughs> right. Like there's no there's no history teacher in a high school in America that doesn't have to add value by coaching a sport. Like I remember I had a history teacher in high school who told us, like, you know who can teach history? Literally everyone. <laughs> so he was like, You have to be able to do something else to keep your job. And I'm like, that's so actually read from a book seriously like your math teacher has to be able to coherently explain math and same thing with like your science teachers your history teacher is like yep america blows let's go grab that volleyball no 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 u.s history taught in schools is only u.s positive oh yes we are a perfect nation can you believe columbus discovered this shit no one was here Indians taught us how to grow corn corn you are blowing out this mic right now i don't know what's happening sorry you're so you're so aggressive and so loud. I'm so unaccustomed to it. I know. I'm I'm a yeller today. What can I say? Yeah. I'm um, actually not talking any louder or less. My microphone is just trash. Yeah, maybe just hold it like like a foot away from your mouth. Can you hear me now? Actually, yeah, you sound crystal clear. Oh, uh, cool. Perfect. Yeah, just put it on your chest again. After years of being told I have to have it as close to my mouth as possible, I'm now being told to pull it back. Yeah, just out and out and you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, back to Phil Nevin. It is weird that he was like just the third base coach because usually your first base coach and your third base coach are like, yeah, he's the infield coach and the first base coach. He's the right. base running coach and the third base coach. And as far as I could tell, Phil Nevin was just the third base coach, which is weird. But uh, anyway, not bringing him back. Seems like it was probably going to happen. Not bringing Marcus Timms back. Seems it felt it feels a lot like when Girardi got fired. Um, there wasn't anything necessarily overly wrong Girardi was doing. It just kind of felt like time. And I honestly also don't really blame Marcus Timms for what was happening with the Yankees hitters. Like, I fail to see how it's his problem that everybody sucked in part because of the um, no longer juiced baseball. Like, that just doesn't... Maybe he wasn't helping as much as he should have been helping, but I don't... I would hard be hard pressed to blame him for the abject failures of like 15 different ball players. It seems like someone there should have been able to overcome that. That's just weird. Um, Correct. Yeah. But you know, time to go when it's time to go. It is odd that they haven't announced a, uh, an Aaron Boone new contract or a move on from Aaron Boone. I think that's weird. Well, when you have 30 guys trying to make that decision, it takes a while to come to a consensus. They do have to do it like jurors. Secret. A rural juror. Rural juror. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I, I just want them to make a decision. I just want to know how I'm supposed to feel. And I, I can't know that with this lack of certainty. Tell me how to feel. I saw that one of the uh, potential new managers for, I think it was San Diego, was Bruce Bochy. And I like fell out of my chair. Like, he retired. He is very old. His head is gigantic. Why would he want to keep doing this? His head is gigantic. His head is stupid. Big. I don't know. I don't know who the Padres coach is going to be. It's, I've heard so many names. There's well, none that really, like, strike me as, like, that would be a game changer. One of the rumors I heard is that it, it, it's taking Boone a while, or taking the Yankees a while to talk to Boone because Boone wants to talk to the Padres. Or the Padres want to talk to him or vice versa. I don't think I'd be upset with Boone. I think I'd like Boone. That's fair. I don't know if, yeah, I mean, we've talked about him enough where it's like there's been enough negative conversation to be like, oh, Aaron Boone will be what pushes us to the World Series. 
but at the same time, anything is better. I think he would be a massive improvement over Tingler, but we'll see. I, I think so, too. I see the uh, Padres as not being a manager away from winning necessarily as much as a pitching coach. Because, um, like, the offense largely for the Padres is there. It, yeah, it fell off a little bit. And I think Boone's a cool it enough head. I know. I think Boone is a cool enough head and a nice enough guy that if things move well with the Padres, which I think they would with another year of being a complete roster and another year of um, a, a year of a different pitching coach to help make some improvements on that side of things that having just like a calm, nice guy will probably get him far enough. Like he doesn't need to be a big locker room personality because you have right. other dudes in there that will be. Whereas the Yankees have, Aaron Judge, who's got like a little bit more personality than Derek Jeter, but having a little bit more personality than Derek Jeter still isn't a lot of personality. So, um, yeah, and he's just going to be a guy that won't throw his players under the bus for hitting home runs. So, how dare he? Yeah, exactly. No one, no one hits a home run under Aaron Boone's regime. You will stop at third and take your triple like a man. If you, if you were (sighs) a, a triple away from the cycle, you have a home run, a double, and a single. And it was like, I don't know, let's say it's early in the game. Like, I don't, not like early. It wasn't a walk-off hit, I'll put it that way. Like, it's like the eighth inning. You hit sure. a ball over the fence. Would you stop at third and just be like, eh, I'm good? No. No. Triples don't get you paid. Cycles don't get you paid. Home runs get you paid. What if... <laughs> All right, that's just stupid. What if you had... <laughs> A, uh, an incentive in your contract for a cycle. What'd you do is with this that? Ga- is this game like, well, yeah, I might. Like a cycle gets you uh, 500K or some, some stupid shit. No one would do this, but let's assume you did. Yeah. If it was me and I know I'm not good at baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Take that money and run. Honestly, even if I was good, just because I know that would be a hilarious thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, that would just be... People would talk about your specific cycle forever. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not a situation where it's like, I'm putting the game at risk by doing so, which could then put the season at risk. Like, as long as it's not like a really, really serious situation. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Let's... Uh, let's you're up eight nothing or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, fucking stop at third. You couldn't pay me to run home at that point unless you gave me five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you're 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 like slowly getting to third, just like slowly walking, trying to shout into the dugout to negotiate with the manager. Like, I'm stopping unless you give me five hundred thousand dollars right now. So if so I know that there's been home runs that have counted as fewer bases, like famously Robin Ventura's grand single. Um, because the game ended and he never progressed far enough. But if you just stop and the game was supposed to keep going, could they do anything? Or like, could you, I, or like, could you imagine to- it being a walk-off home run, but stopping at like touching third base and then running to the dugout so it doesn't fully count and you're technically hitting the cycle? So there was an error in baseball where if you hit a home run and it was a walk-off hit, they would only give you credit for the number of bases you needed. So, like, if you were down um, five to three, right, and you had the bases loaded and you hit a home run, well, you only need the guy on first to score. Like, you don't need to score as the batter. for You don't need the grand slam to win. You only need guy on third, second, and first to score. So they would count that as a triple. If you if you had an if you had an out to give, would the guy on first be like, run past me? <laughs> Go ahead. You deserve it. Like you earned that. I just you know, I got walked, I got hit by a pitch, I got like a slap single that just kind of snuck past everybody. You you deserve the home run. So, <laughs> Go you know, get there was an article a few years ago about how, you know, like Bay's, Babe Ruth's magic number of home runs is 714. And apparently this had happened to him once. He had hit a, a, a home run that got counted as a triple because they were tied, I think. And the guy, there was a guy on first and he hit a home run and the guy on first. Scored. And the old school rationale was um, once the winning run crosses the plate, the game's over. 
Right. You don't need the extra runner. So we're not going to bother counting it because the second that guy touches home, game's, game's over. over. Um, and so there's actually apparently a 715th home run floating out there for Babe Ruth. But uh, I, I, because I wonder if the alternative is like, do I get myself ejected after touching third? Like, do I get to third and then like look at the ump and be like, punch an umpire in the face? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> like, do I like dap up my third base coach and then just like <laughs> pop the third base ump? Just as you as you're as you're running into third, just form tackle the third baseman and get yourself ejected. You just cup check the third baseman on the way around the bases. (laughs) You just you you run to third and just run straight into the dugout. Just go fuck yourself. Flip off all the arms. You know, moon the uh, moon the TV cameras as you run by. Be fucking funny. Oh man, uh, what the fuck were we talking? Oh, Aaron, yeah, that's right. So we no real updates with the Boone situation outside of those coaches being let go. We'll see if they hire anybody. Who the fuck knows who they would hire? I have no as little as we know about who would get hired as potential managers for teams like the Padres and Yankees who are currently shopping managers. I have no idea where you even begin to hunt for a new hitting coach. I would assume the minors and other major league teams, but fuck do I not know who the fuck those candidates would be. So oh, oh well. Um in other other news, Zach Ertz got traded uh from the Philadelphia Eagles over to the Arizona Cardinals. So he is once again one of those players who went to bed on a shitty team and woke up on an undefeated team as has happened to one of the Jets players a few years ago when we were like 0-7. He got traded to some team who was like 8-0. I forget what that one was. Um, but, yeah, he is uh, he is out. He is he was a cardinal. It is kind of wild. Um, That's yeah. a scary fucking offense. Like, the last thing they needed was to add more receiving weapons. Just DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz. Dominant quarterback in Kyler Murray. Yeah, you have James Conner and Chase Edmonds in the backfield. Like those guys aren't world beaters, but those are two guys that complement each other super well. And that's just a stupid offense. Zach Ertz so far this season in six games has been um Targeted 31 times with 18 receptions, 189 yards. That's 10.5 yards per reception. He has collected two touchdowns, is on a receiving, sorry, receptions per game of three, a yards per game of 31.5, and a catch percent of 58.1, which are all down from two seasons ago. They're up from last season for the most part. 6.1 yards per target um, would be the second lowest of his career. But at the same time, he's putting time with Dallas Goddard there. You know, like he's not the starter, a one starter, you know, like he's he's in a he's on a team with multiple very good tight ends. And yeah, it's hard to rack up those numbers when you're splitting time. And he's a he's a veteran presence at this point. He's a good blocker. Like there's there's a whole bunch of other reasons for Zach Ertz to be such a ridiculous threat with that Cardinals team than just his raw receiving skills, which I think for the most part uh, is safe to say is very much so still there. Um, in return. Um, before we move off of tight ends, uh, Chris Herndon of all people just caught a touchdown. New York Jets finding success outside of New York. What wait, what team is Chris Herndon on now? Uh, the Vikings. I completely missed that. Oh my God! Is he really? Yes, yeah, he got traded he not too long ago. Wow, that was his first reception of the year then, because he had uh, z- two targets and zero receptions so far heading into this week. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, yeah. hey, hell of a first reception. Um, so Zach Ertz got traded to the Cardinals in exchange for cornerback Tay Gowen and a 2022 fifth round pick. Uh, Corbin, do you have anything on Tay Gowen? No idea. Never heard of him. Um, Tay Gawan. I'm sorry, Tay, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. He's uh, 23 years old out of Covington, Georgia. Uh, He played 
do I have a college? Dude, did you go to college? He played football at UCF and was drafted in the sixth round in the 2021 draft. Okay. University of Central Florida, for anybody like me who wasn't entirely sure what UCF stood for. Um, yeah. So they get a cornerback and a 2022 fifth. Does that seem right? Yeah, it does. I mean, Ertz has a pretty sizable contract. You know, Eagles have been trying to get rid of him for a while. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, they're just trying to get him, get him going, get something for him. They yeah. need corners too. They really do. It's it's so tough because, you know, I think Zach Ertz had like just said last season he wants to stay an Eagle forever. And uh, the reality is, no, you do not get to be an Eagle forever um, because the Eagles decided you were too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 2021 salary actually isn't outrageous. Four point five point six million dollars. That's very expensive. Is it that expensive? Five point six million? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe for what he is. I mean, like last year it was twelve point four. Yeah, all right. Touche. Yeah. Well Touche, you got me there. It it's tough to have too many good players, even if they aren't the great players they used to be. Zachert's still good. So yes, he is. that Cardinals team, man. That Cardinals team. What an offense. Through and through. What a turnaround, too. Jeez, they were a laughingstock a couple years ago. Now look at them. If only. I'd love to know what that feels like. No comment. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. You got anything else before we get out of here? Um, I don't have anything else. I think, uh, like everything else, we've either brought it up or discussed. All right, then we will uh, we'll end up getting out of here. We I will be around for our next episode, which would be, I guess, the Thursday episode. And then after that, I'm going to be gone for a little over a week, checking out Austin, Texas. So I will not be our, our recording schedule will be uh, basically non-existent. We'll try to put out an episode between the championship series and the World Series to just talk briefly about what happens in the conclusion of both the American League and National League Championship Series and then how that matchup carries into the World Series, but it probably won't be much um, because I'll be on vacation and fuck y'all. I'm going to be eating barbecue. (laughs) Um, So yeah, but uh, I'll be around for uh, Thursday's episode, so you'll have to wait till then. In the meantime, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at ChoosingPod. If you'd like to hit up Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at numbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye. Uh-huh.